There is a new killer infection among us. It is not MRSA, the darling of the media, and it does not necessarily lurk in hospitals. A virulent strain of Clostridium difficile has emerged and it is a threat to your patients that you should know about. You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. Today our guest is Dr. L. Clifford McDonald, a medical epidemiologist in the Epidemiology and Laboratory Branch, Division of Health Quality Promotion at the CDC. He has investigated Clostridium difficile outbreaks and written extensively on the subject. Welcome, Dr. McDonald. Thank you. Tell us about how disease patterns are changing. I gather there is a new, more virulent type of Clostridium difficile. When did this emerge, and how do we even know it existed? Well, it seems to have emerged since the year 2000. Actually, the strain has been around for the last 20 years, according to some databases that Dale Girding's laboratory in Chicago has long been working in C. difficile, even when it wasn't so interesting as it is now to work in. And they have this uh, this isolate in their uh, database going back to the early 1980s. But in that database of over 6,000 isolates, before the year 2000, it was only found in about 14 unique patient isolates, this strain. So previously uncommon strain has now become epidemic to the point that this strain has, has caused outbreaks in or cause disease, if not outbreaks, in at least 38 states and outbreaks in Canada and at least 10 countries of Europe. So it's becoming very widespread. One thing that happened coincident with it going from an uncommon strain to an epidemic strain is it became more virulent to the fluoroquinolones. But it is also, as you've said, and it always has been, uh, more virulent with increased toxin production and the production of, of extra toxins. Tell us a little bit about the extra toxins. Yes, it's uh, known as binary toxin. Uh, it's actually a toxin that has been found in Clostridium perfringens before it was found in C. difficile. In fact, it was only discovered in C. difficile in the late 1980s. The traditional virulence factors in C. difficile are toxins A and B, which are very large clostridial toxins. This cytotoxin is much smaller. It does have a secretory effect in some animals, actually in the rabbit ileal loop model, it does have a secretory effect, but it doesn't seem to do anything to the hamsters, which has been sort of the usual model for human C. difficile disease. But we know that some of these toxins can have a very species-specific effect, so we, we just don't know what its effect is in humans uh, whether it acts somehow synergistically with the large toxins or not, we don't know. Does this virulent strain uh, just produce a lot more toxin A and toxin B? It does. And and actually the way that was sort of discovered was uh, we knew it had some polymorphisms or, or abnormalities in one of the regulatory genes that's responsible for actually down-regulating toxin A and B production. And then with the mutations in that gene, it was hypothesized it might produce more toxin A and B. And and working with some researchers who actually had a way of measuring toxin A and B production, it was confirmed that, yes, it produces on the order of 16-fold more toxin A and 23-fold more toxin B in the laboratory. That sounds like uh, the patients won't feel so good with this new virulent strain. Right. It's interesting. This strain produces the more toxins. The other thing is it seems to produce them earlier on in its growth phase. It's interesting. Clostridia, in general, produce their toxins just as they kind of outgrow their food supply in the test tube, if you grow them up, they hit, you know, grow through log phase and they hit stationary phase. 
when they hit the stationary phase and it's kind of outstripped their glucose supply, that's when Clostridia usually releases their toxins just as they're forming spores. It's sort of the process tied up as they form spores, they release toxin. This strain seems to do it all during the, the log growth phase as well, though. Is this strain uh, more contagious, or if you can measure such a thing? Well, again, all we know is that, sure, it's been causing a lot of outbreaks and, and very severe outbreaks and widespread very quickly. I think from that, yeah, we could say it does seem to. And some people have argued, well, maybe just with the more severe disease alone, you get more diarrhea, you get more diarrhea really early. You don't have these patients in isolation. The environment gets very contaminated right away. People pick it up and right away transmit somewhere else. All this has been talked about, but as you mentioned, it's hard to prove. What about lethality? Is there any handle on the lethality of this? Well, yeah. Traditionally, attributable mortality of C. difficile was less than 1% or maybe at least less than 2% at most. But the outbreak in Quebec, for example, they found an attributable mortality of 6.9%, a direct mortality, and then another about 7 or 8% of indirect mortality. So combined attributable mortality of you know, 15 16%. Uh, we've worked with some researchers here in the U.S. and presented results, or they have presented results, suggesting you know, in their facility where they had sort of endemic situation, no outbreak, attributable uh, mortality of about 12%. So either way, I think we could say that the mortality is definitely much more than it was traditionally thought to be, and it may well be around 10% or more. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We are discussing the emerging more virulent strain of Clostridium difficile. Our guest is Dr. L. Clifford McDonald, an epidemiologist with the CDC. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. One thing I'm curious about is uh, C. diff a reportable disease um, to the government or to states or even to the National Healthcare Safety Network? Well, we had uh, before the National Healthcare Safety Network, Nosocomial Infection Surveillance System, NIST, and certainly C. difficile uh, was reported to that system as one of the infections that could occur in the in healthcare-associated infections that could occur in hospitals. A lot of that system was shifted more over to ICUs. And when you look at where all the C. difficile occurs, certainly rates are higher in intensive care units, but it occurs throughout the healthcare facility. So a lot of that data is not maybe the most complete we'd want, and that system uh, ceased after 2004. The National Healthcare Safety Network, which is replacing that, thus far is focused on device-associated infections. We do have a multidrug-resistant organism component that is right now under development. Hopefully, it'll be out by the end of uh, 08, and it will be a system whereby this uh, disease can be reported. It is not a national reportable disease. There's really no predominantly healthcare-associated infection, I'll say, that is uh, nationally reportable. The only one might be Versa, Vanc-resistant Staph aureus, but we don't have any others right now. And of course, the numbers are very, very large, so we have to really you know, be thoughtful in terms of exactly how we want it reported if we, if we do and, and in, in what situation, how we use that data. That's an interesting thing. The National Healthcare Safety Network does not at this point really involve reporting of all healthcare-acquired uh, infections. That is correct. NIST did. NHSN came out first with device-associated infections, you know, so specifically bloodstream infections with catheter, urinary catheter-associated infections or ventilator-associated pneumonias or surgical site infections, and those are the main uh, patient safety modules right now. 
but the MDRO module, which will include components for reporting just MRSA colonization and infection across the board, VRE, other multidrug resistant gram-negative bacteria, and C. difficile, that is uh, forthcoming. How did this virulent strain emerge? Any theories about why this decided to rear its ugly head in 2000, 2001? Well, just that idea that it is more resistant to fluoroquinolones, but we, we don't know exactly why this particular strain would have, but it does appear that this strain getting more resistant to fluoroquinolones gave it another leg up. Maybe it was just the latest in a long process of, of mutations and changes. Maybe it had become hypervirulent you know, 10 or 20 years ago and was just lying in wait, uh, and now it's gotten that leg up on other strains. Uh, it is interesting that you know, fluoroquinolone use is, is very widespread, that it might be that high levels of fluoroquinolone resistance really give it a, a, a very significant selective advantage. What about the treatment of this? Is it the, is the treat, it's fluoroquinolone resistant, but that's not a drug you would use to treat C. diff anyway. So is the treatment the same? Well, yes, it is. I mean, generally the first-line treatment is, uh, is metronidazole. I will say, I should say, that is not FDA-approved, but it is commonly used uh, for... Uh, mild to moderate disease, the treatment should not be in general any different. Although it's a hypervirulent strain, whether or not someone gets severe disease in any individual case is a very complex mix of host factors and virulence factors in the organism and maybe also other factors as well. But So probably still a lot of people even infected with this hypervirulent strain are going to do just fine with metronidazole. But it is clear that whenever someone has more severe disease, clinicians should be thinking about using vancomycin first line. I see, and then probably putting them in the hospital for intravenous hydration support, at least. That that may also be necessary. That will depend, of course, on host factors, how the age of the patient and, and other factors. I want to thank Dr. L. Clifford McDonald from the CDC, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the emerging, more virulent strain of Clostridium difficile. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We would really like to hear from you. For comments and questions about this program or suggestions for other shows, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Also, please visit us at reachmd.com. Our on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Be safe. Be informed. Thank you for listening.